Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic, art, and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I am joined by London. From the shadows, we are joined by that mysterious voice that may or may not show up, Shadow Adam. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered by Mason Booker. We are here live at Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California, home to Meltology. Meltology is a monthly comics jam at Meltdown every third Tuesday of the month. You show up, you draw, and then after it's all done, everyone collects their art. And the next month when you come back, there's a zine with everyone's contributions inside. There's no se- no set theme. All skill levels are all... Oh, my Lord. They're all welcome. Everyone can come. That's I'm just so excited about Meltology that you just got to come. Check it out. Also, we have Meltdown University. Meltdown University is where you can actually come to a comic book store and learn the skills to make comic books. We've got the creating comics, drawing comics for kids, and the art of inking. New classes are always being added, so check it out on MeltComics.com and enroll now. Also, like you to look for other Meltdown podcasts. We've got Disney Click, where everything in the Magic Kingdom is discussed. Meltdown, Meltcast 3.0, Meltdown employees talk new comics and get into other shenanigans. And then on video... The Digital Lizards of Doom. Meltdown's very own YouTube show where Gabe and Dan explore all aspects of pop culture. But here you are tuned into History of the Batman with London. London, you here? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> all right. Well, we have a very, very good show today. We have a special guest, Jason Sean Alexander. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, well, <laughs> that's good. That's already good. So, London... How you doing? I mean, come on. Tell me. I mean, we got another. We just had Kelly Jones. Yes. And now we got Sean Alexander. Do you go, do you go Jason Sean? Does it have to be three? Uh, Jason <laughs> Sean Alexander? Can it just be Jason Alexander? <laughs> Jason everywhere. Is fine. Okay. Jason is fine. Okay. All right. Because everywhere I see online, it's Jason Sean Alexander. Is that a conscious thing or? Yeah. Okay. Um, everything. As soon as I started doing comics, it was Jason Alexander, and then Seinfeld blew up, and ah. no one, <laughs> no one could find me. It was all him, and then I went by Jay Alexander, and then there was a restaurant chain, and so I, <laughs> I, uh, I was doomed. So I, I decided to go the pretentious route and go all three names. Okay, and, and so now at least when you Google it, you'll find me. But, but Jason is. is just but we could still just call you Jason. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> and now the spelling of Sean. I had a good friend that I grew up with. S H A W N. Right. Yeah. But you got these S E A Ns out here. Yeah. My stepdad uh, named Sean. He spells it S H A W N. That's true. That was the first Sean to me. I only knew that, Sean. And then all of a sudden I started seeing people as seen. And I was like, how does that even <laughs> translate to Sean? I've never met another S-H-A-W-N. Really? So, yeah, it's always scenes everywhere. Scenes <laughs> everywhere. Well, then I won't have to introduce you to my friend Sean Pinkston from Cincinnati. Anyway, <laughs> I just had to go there. That's fine. <laughs> so, London, you got some questions today? 
Of course I do. But I first just wanted, and I already told you this, but I just wanted to say, Jason, that I am a fan of your work. And I've seen different exhibits of your your art that's non-comic book art. And I think that it's in kind of an expressionist expressionism would you say that's kind of your style or absolutely right yeah and the your canvases are beautiful and i think that the when you do portraits you've done like different body figure works and they're they have a lot of emotion tied to them do is that on purpose or are does it just kind of to me seem like you're trying to evoke some type of emotion from the character or whoever you're painting at the time i think my my first uh jump into art was uh was comics and okay. so um when i was a late teenager and um the the stuff that really moved me was will eisner oh. and you just i i didn't realize comics could be done that way and um just seeing these overly expressive emotional weighted figures uh, it absolutely impact me. And so it, it didn't seem, I didn't understand why you would draw without evoking some level of, you know, pretty deep human emotion. Right. And so uh, when I started doing fine art, it automatically just kind of started coming. It, it came out in there. Like it, it's more popular to um, take the emotion out in contemporary art. You don't, right, you don't yes. want the viewer to think too much, feel too much. It, it might be too much, too disturbing to have in your living room, but <laughs> I've never understood any purpose of that. So yeah, yeah it, I agree. everything I want to be dramatic and emotional and, and have some kind of punch in the gut. Did you want to do comic books before you kind of went into the fine art side, especially since you liked Weisner? Oh, you- absolutely. We, um, me and a few friends self-published an anthology when I was uh, 19 um, oh. called Section 8. And that's actually where my book was originally conceived that I'm doing now, Empty Zone. Oh, cool. uh, And then I went on to do Empty Zone through Sirius Entertainment for a couple of years. Oh. And then it was only later when I got into fine art when I moved to uh, North Carolina and met up with guys like George Pratt and Kent Williams. Oh, very nice. Well, do you have any other inspirations that aren't comic book related that go into your art, either artist or something you've seen in the past? Oh, most of my work is, most of my influences are, are not. Comic, yeah. Comic so what are your, <laughs> so what, what influences do you have? Um, or the major ones? I'm sure you have many. Yeah, that, but, that list can just. <laughs> but maybe um, top two or three. <laughs> Uh, Kathy Kolwitz and uh, Francis Bacon. Oh, Those nice. are two of my absolute favorite favorites. I that, can see that. Huh. Yeah, heavy-weighted emotional figures and expressive abstraction. Right. And I think having that in comic books and in the, the heroes or the villains, that's really important because it's not just narrative. The comics are driven visually. And if a character is feeling one way, making sure that you can put that into the picture, how they feel is really important. So the the work that you've done in comics, I've, I've actually really appreciated it. And I like linking it to your other works. Do you, right now, do you have any of your fine art kind of 
on display anywhere, exhibit, anything like that? Or do you just kind of have it in your studio and you can't really see it? <laughs> if anyone's interested yeah, to see it. Yeah, if anybody's in the, uh, specifically, I guess, the um, the L.A. area. Yeah. My, um, the gallery I'm represented by in L.A. is, is 101 Exhibit. Oh. And they're uh, on Melrose. Yeah. yeah. I know. Okay. Oh, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go see that. <laughs> How long has it been up there? Yeah. I've been represented by them since 2009, and so wow. the um, I don't have a show currently on exhibit, but they have a second space right near their their gallery on Melrose that you can go and see any of my stuff anytime. And so, real quick on the internet, so if we got listeners want to just type in on their computer right now, where should they be looking to to help? 101exhibit.com. Okay. Awesome. All right, so you started off, though, we were talking uh, a little bit off air, or maybe on air, I don't even remember now. <laughs> I'm all, my whole life is either on air or off air, and it just kind of blends together. But you grew up in Tennessee. I did. Portland, Tennessee. What is Portland, Tennessee like? I mean, I, I've never even heard of it until... I think it's vastly different now, but way back in the day when I was there, um, it was, uh, I think, around 5,000 people. Okay. A uh, very small, very small little town about right on the border of Kentucky. And, um, yeah, it, it just, uh, it, it's where I'm from. It's it's my roots and my heritage, but I, I couldn't wait to, to get out of there. Right. It just never, um, no, nothing to slight the town. It just didn't seem, it never felt like my home never felt, it was never really open to the arts. Right. Um, well, how, how did you get open to the arts? Yeah. I mean, you grow up in a, such a small town. I mean, how, how was this get to you? How are you infected? My father. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know what would have, I don't know what kind of kid I would have been had it not been, you know, my dad, my mother's from Tennessee, but my father's from California mm. and, uh, and he was going to school and he, he was kind of a, a, the amateur artist and just blew my mind always drawing and doing what he was doing. And, so I would always, you know, he would basically, I would do drawings and he, I would show up the next day and he would have critiqued and written notes on the drawings of like, really? you know, oh, wow. anatomical things. And huh. how old is he writing notes on your drawings? <laughs> like, cause I mean, my, okay. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. it's six years old. I mean, my six year old draws, I just let them draw, you know, I'm like, I'm glad you're actually completing a picture. <laughs> you know, if I, if I started writing, although my eight year old, I do put, I give him little notes. Cause he's, nice. he comes up to me like, isn't this great? I was like, well, you didn't exactly do <laughs> what, you know, the, anyway. Yeah. I, there's nothing <laughs> more beautiful than the, the line, you know, that a, that a kid, that a child makes. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. just, that's just gorgeous. And so, but yeah, once I got older and I was getting frustrated, then he would start putting notes and. Okay. Uh, yeah. I kind of. So what me. kind of art was he doing? Um, just like portraiture and pencil, you know, uh, just yeah just he was always just drawing it kind of some fantasy drawings some portraiture stuff and yeah i think uh, on one side i was interested in art and on the other i think it was just a way that i could connect with him because he felt like an outsider like you've got this yeah. guy from you know riverside california just kind of stuck in portland tennessee and <laughs> it just yeah he just really stood out and i think i loved i i think i saw that on some level and i just wanted to bond with him and then it took over and I just became obsessed with image making. Nice. What was he doing in Portland? 
I mean, besides, he married your mother, I assume, right? Yeah. And then he he's in Portland. What's he doing for a nine to five? Oh, factory. Yeah, okay. we uh, um, we grew up. I mean, I grew up in the in the in the trailer in the middle of nowhere, and and my mom worked a part time job, and her parents uh, were right beside us, and so that was kind of the reason to live there because they could help take care of us. And he worked, you know, twelve, fourteen hours a day at the factory. Mm. So ever since I could remember, when I when I got old enough, I worked at the factories and the automotive factories and warehouses and all that till I could afford to get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the art scene there one, other than your dad? Was there one? No. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> there was nothing. So you couldn't even talk with your friends about it? Like I had friends that became interested in comics. Nobody that was ever genuinely serious about art. Even my uh, the art teacher in my high school was kind of a failed English teacher, I believe. I, I couldn't remember. Oh, wow. It was just, I remember she would just consistently fail me um, because I hated, I, it was just, you know. I you think, failed in art? I think a teacher like that could see <laughs> like some kind of rebellion and embrace it and see where it could go. Yeah. Or you could just kind of try to swat it down as he's a rebellious little ish. Right. Wow. By the way, I would think that the art teacher would at least embrace the rebellion. Right? I yeah. mean, that is that is a failed English teacher. Yeah, she was not a fan of me. <laughs> so, that's, that's interesting. What, what I mean, what would she say that you were doing technically wrong? She didn't like if I just started drawing drawings in ink. That wasn't proper. I, I had to pencil first. I had, wow. You know, and, yeah, we just never, you know, she wanted us to paint some things. I would paint other things. And instead of questioning it, she would just be like, fail. And so... <laughs> And, you know, that just does nothing to you at that age but say, well, how about this? You know, just, yeah. you just keep, you know, like off the mouth. So did you get your first tattoo in Tennessee? I did. I did. I got my my first two tattoos in Tennessee. And thank God they're on my back because they're the only ones I designed. And I don't ever want to look at them. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I was just going to ask, which ones did you design any of your tattoos? Yeah, those those are bad, and I'm glad they're back there. <laughs> then everything else, uh, I went the safe route and went um, Michelangelo and Rodin and all that. So nice. You know, I figured. You know, I told my wife, I was like, "Yeah, I quite literally wear my influences on my sleeve." There you go. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, and what was the what was the comic scene like? The comic book scene, not the comedian scene, back in Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, was there a local comic shop? Was it? Did you go to? Target or buy the, or, you know, where were you getting your comics? Yeah, we started off at like pharmacies and whatever little comic rack we can find. And uh, then there was a couple of little small shops that opened. Uh, maybe they would live for about a year or two. And um, this was, this was at the time when, it's so weird, I can't think of the, uh, the year, but it was the time when like McFarland launched the Spider-Man that he started doing. Oh, movie. yeah. And so... And that, that's where I started really getting interested in comics was those Marvel guys that then later went to Image, you know, went right. to Image, and it just—I mean, just graphically, it just exploded. You oh know? yeah, just you little kid, you just—you know—that leapt off the page, and um, it would be years before I would discover the guys that really move me now, like like Sinkevich and uh, Kent and those guys. But um, no, so, we had to drive to to maybe like forty minutes to Nashville and go to the shops there. 
When did you get into Will Eisner then? Because you mentioned him earlier. Was that from these early days or was it after the you realized that you could do what Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee and those guys were doing? I I would ape, just be and not really read the comics because they didn't seem very expressive, but they seemed very graphically intense. And so I would just ape Todd McFarlane like crazy. And then it was, uh, I think a friend lent me the crow. And then the first issue of that had some small little homage to Eisner, which led me to Eisner. And then that just between the crow and uh, contract with God, it just changed everything. So you can see, please don't ever see, but the, uh, <laughs> the self-published stuff we did, which I believe you can still find is, um, like me completely aping McFarland trying to do Eisner. Wow. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of horrible. It's <laughs> kind of the worst thing that you can see. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I know. I mean, come it on. can't be that no, Okay. <laughs> well, it's like your back tattoos, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep them back there. I don't need to. Yeah. So then where, what next? So you're in Tennessee, you're, you're obviously failing art. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. what, what's your dad saying at that? Is he saying, he knows what's going on. Okay. He's cracking up. He, he likes that. <laughs> that. That's the California in him saying yeah. these Tennessee. Yeah. That fools. makes me feel better. Okay. <laughs> if he likes it, I was good. Okay. And so then, I mean, you had at least his support. So you, you continue to pursue you were continually reading comics, I assume. Yeah. Or at least absorbing the visuals. Yeah. And you also continued your art. So where did you continue the art? Where was the next step? I kept submitting uh, to different companies. And it was my mom that, that chimed in and said, I should just try to do it myself. And then we started self-publishing. and um, Which was great because your first experience doing comics, you know, the idea that uh, you're going to figure out um, distributors, printers, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it helps you really learn the industry, you know, on the inside. So then we um, uh, we self-published, I think, for a few years, and then Sirius Entertainment called me, and then I started drawing comics. So were you also doing fine art, though? I mean, no. Okay. So that kind of just kind of got put to the side? I was all comics. I was 100% draw out of your head. Anything else is cheating. I just wanted, you know, comics, comics, comics. And then I moved to uh, North Carolina at the suggestion of uh, George Pratt that I had met online. And um, then I'd met him and Kent. And then it just opened up this whole world of how to change how I was working in comics. And that changed that I wanted to do something other than comics. I always, I'm stuck with comics. I'm, I'm obsessed. Like it would, it would be so much simpler in my career to do have just continued and, and pursue fine art, but I'm obsessed with storytelling. So I'm always going to be doing comics on some level. So even though I was discovering this world of painting and fine art, uh, I was never going to stop drawing comics. Now I'm interested just going back a little bit. I have listeners and followers that want to break out into the comic book industry themselves. And while you were sending your work to companies and then you decided to self-publish, which route would you think would you would, I guess, advise to people who are trying to get their work out there? Self-publish. Self-publish? Um, may, 
what I learned is that they, they pretty much have people that take submissions and put the rejection stamp on it and right. send it right back. And um, Is that in itself just daunting kind of sending out to, do you send out to everyone? Do you pick which ones you want? What? How is that process just before the self-publishing, just sending your work out, just trying to see, oh, who would... I was just, I was so crazily optimistic that I would be excited when I got not just a rejection letter, but I remember that Eric Larson would sign his rejection letters. <laughs> and I was just, I looked at that and my mom was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh man, I got Eric Larson's autograph. <laughs> and so I just knew I was always going to do it. There was never going to be, I never had a plan B. I never, okay. you know, that's why I worked in factories and horrible jobs because I never wanted to commit. Yeah. I never wanted to get comfortable. Right. Mm. You know, the more I hated it, the more I was going to try to get out of it. And so I, I busted my side. And then, so what I tell kids or, or guys trying aspiring is to, uh, go to conventions and not just go to conventions, go to the bar after the convention because <laughs> guys are way more likely to hire a drinking buddy than they're going to hire some you know, shirt tugging kid, like, look at my stuff, look at my stuff. Uh, I told this to a group at Savannah College of Art. And that night, drinking with some professionals, I wound up getting like a gig doing a a Wolverine cover. And I was like, (laughs) and I went back the next day and I told the kids, I'm like, buy him a drink. There you go. Nice. What'd you buy him? What'd you guys drink that night? (laughs) Whiskey. Okay. Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> so you you're doing the comics. There, the you said serious entertainment starts gives you the gives you the shot. Now, how much time are you spending drawing at this moment or that time in your life? I mean, are you are you doing it all the time? I mean, when I first started getting. Uh, when I first started doing stuff for Sirius, I had a day job or a night job at Kinko's, which huh. is kind of perfect if you draw, draw <laughs> comics. Free copying. <laughs> Not that you should ever steal or make sketchbooks, business cards, or <laughs> zines. Yeah. But, you know. But yeah. if you can. Yeah. And so any time I wasn't there, I was, I was making comics. Uh, Were you able to have a social life? I had an okay social life. I I was pretty much a straight edge till I was about 23. So, I, you know, I wasn't drinking or doing anything anyway. So, yeah, I was just, yeah, I was dedicated. I knew at some point it would pay off. But yeah. so, yeah, it was just work, work, work all, all day, all night. Um, we put up, you know, when I finally left Kinko's, and was just doing comics, I still was used to that work schedule. So for about 10 years, I worked from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And uh, which, unfortunately, now... Wait, just say that again. <laughs> what was that work schedule? 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Oh, man. Graveyard. <laughs> That's I, how you did it? When the sun came up, I was like, oh, that was a good day. And then I'd go to sleep. Wow. I wonder if that influenced any of your work, just that late night... <laughs> You know, I wish I could go back to it. Like what it's done is given me pretty much solid insomnia for the rest of my life. <laughs> like anytime I need to do an all nighter, people are like, oh, you've got an all nighter. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Bring me back. It's the only time I feel human. <laughs> <laughs> it's, ah, memories. <laughs> you know, that's hey. Listen, I loved my childhood. I think back to that. You think back to the late nights when you could stay up all night. Why can't you do it now? 
wife, kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, those kids, man, they ruin the schedule, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and it would probably be great if I did stay up all night. So then if she woke up, I could still handle things. But she would be doing cute things during the day. So <laughs> Yeah, you can't yeah. miss that, man. It's a good dad right there. It just doesn't allow for any level of interaction with other humans, really. Right. So. Yeah. Well, drawing. I mean, that's another thing, right? Just being at the at the desk drawing is hard because yeah. you're not interacting unless you're in a studio or something. Do you find that you work better alone? Do you want to work with people in a in a no. like a bullpen? I don't want anybody anywhere near me. The um, even. Even at my home, I mean, the studio is, is I uh, converted the garage. So it needs to be out of the house, out of everything. I need That's solitude. just part of your creative process. You kind of need to yeah, just that and ADD of, probably doesn't yeah. help. So <laughs> <laughs> everything distracts me, everything. Like, even yeah. when I hear things, I'm just, I'm trying to keep focused on the sentence. But the, uh, right. Well, the, this is Meltdown Comics, so there is a lot of stuff going around. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to distract you. you got to <laughs> stay focused here. But it's... Um, every little thing will, will distract me on some level. So I have like very specific mixes of music, uh, when I do listen to music, which is never first thing in the morning is, uh, you know, up at 6am at the table by seven. And then I've got about four or five hours of just pure silence where I'm penciling predominantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I'm inking and then as the day progresses, I can put on some music and start penciling and. But any, the thing that needs the most focus and the most attention, dead silence. So everything I ink is just quiet and the first thing I do. Have any of your distractions ever inspired you randomly? Or is it just, no, it just doesn't work. You need that silence. <laughs> I don't know. I keep it pretty pretty, uh, pretty solid routine. But that, that first hour in the morning, I wake up uh, at 6 and I make sure I go to the coffee shop. And just sit out and sketch people and all of that. So there's already a kind of influence of the day and something else that will inspire or whatever. Because no matter what I've done in that sketchbook that morning, something similar will appear in the work in the comics. Oh, okay. So it is, it is good to have that kind of human interaction and something to start your day and then But then just cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> so talk a little bit about the comics that you started in the beginning with. So... Give us a little bit of progression on after with, you were with Sirius and then what next? Uh, I mean, we're trying to build up to Batman here is what I'm yes. trying to do here. <laughs> but we don't want to ignore all the other works that you've done, of course. Uh, right right after doing Empty Zone for Sirius was uh, Queen and Country. Nice title. Yeah. I, I, thought they, uh, I thought they had made a mistake. The... Um, when it was my my good friend and past roommate Mike Norton who mm-hmm. does revival, um, I think he 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 was set up to do a story arc, but somebody before him had bailed, and so he gave him my name. And when they contacted me, I looked up Queen and Country, and it was very cartoony. I was like, I don't think you guys got the right guy. Right? And they're like, No, no, we want to try this. And then I read Greg Ruth's script. I was like, This is gorgeous. And so I just put everything I had into it and. That was like those were my my only two Eisner nominations were for that Queen and Country. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All on what you thought might have been a mistake, huh? Yeah. That's but great. It was fantastic. It was, and that was the thing that got uh attention for Dark Horse, who I 
went on to do a not awesome Van Helsing one shot, but it was through that Van Helsing one shot that caught Mike Mignola's attention. And then I got Abe Sapien and then I went on just to do basically work for Dark Horse for another eight years. You did a Conan cover, didn't you? I did. I did an arc of Conan covers, man. (laughs) Conan, that that was like. That's a that's an honor to work on, right? I mean, it is. But talk about pulling yourself out of your comfort zone. I just I didn't do barbarians and fantasy. That was the one thing I love cyberpunk, and I love noir and and, and that. But but fantasies and wizards and barbarians was just never up my alley. And so they asked me, and I was like, and again, is this a mistake? <laughs> right. When you're approached with things like that, when you are given projects and it doesn't feel like it's within what you do. How do you tackle that and put your own spin on it, but still kind of keep true to whatever the comic is? I reiterate with the editor what I do. And so <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't do this right. Like it's going to have a different thing. And if they say, okay, it, it comes down to whether it's just out of my wheelhouse and I'm not interested mm-hmm. or whether it's out of my wheelhouse and it's a challenge. And it's Conan, so I was like, I, I really want to lend my name to one of the artists that have done God. Conan. Understandable. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think if they had asked me to do interiors, that would have been a different, I think I would have probably passed, but just to do those painted covers was really fun. Yeah. Huh. So after Conan and after Dark Horse, where are we now? Where are you building up to? Uh, after Dark Horse was uh, Dead Irons for um, Dynamite Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, Jay Lee created the, or visually created the characters, and it was just, yeah. it was a it was a horror western, and I'd never seen something like that. Um, vampires and werewolves in the <laughs> Old West. You should dish me. Yeah. <laughs> you would do it. Oh, it was a yeah, blast. That's oh. <laughs> that was incredible. And uh, so I'm trying to think after that. Like, well, real, real quick, where did you get, so comics are obviously a big influence in your life other comics we talked a little bit about fine art are you pulling stuff to get your um ideas from movies are you getting music i mean what is how are you shaping all your influences where are they coming from everywhere all yeah all media i mean most of most of my influence are still probably fine art but the um i always tell uh, aspiring or, or up and coming comic book guys to watch horror films because every every scene is is specifically geared to evoke an emotional response. Um, as cheesy as the movie is, I would tell them to go watch Phantasm Two mm. because they would they would crop they would crop the camera behind boxes so you're looking through boxes to get an even more um, claustrophobic feel. Uh, the pacing, everything. Horror movies are just the best uh, uh, study for for drawing comics, and uh, and then you know, then you get stylistically guys you like, like Del Toro or or movies like Dark City and stuff like that that are just they they just move me. But um, and then I listen to a ton of uh, movie soundtracks. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's what they do. They evoke, they evoke, they evoke emotion. Yeah. There's so much suspense. They're, they're amazing. And if I listen to anything too fast, I'm going to want to bop along to it. But the um, but when you're listening to, like, 
uh, ex machina or something like that, then you just have this kind of mood. And, and it builds yeah. and it just, yes. yeah, it takes you through a whole story itself. Yeah, it's great. And then someone said, like, you know, I most of, my, you know, so much of my stuff is, is soundtracks as well. And then I think someone said, you've got to play the, the Mad Max one. So I played Mad Max and then I was just throwing ink and I had to stop. I was like, I know. It, it was amazing. <laughs> but I was like, no, this is like driving music in LA. Yeah. Like, this is. <laughs> So is Mad Max, is that a fine art piece or is that a comic book piece that you're going to be listening to what, or that you're going to create when you listen to Mad Max? Oh, that's painting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Painting is bigger. You can go, you can go crazy with it. You know, inking is expressive as you can, as you get with inking. Um, it, it's still, you're still conveying very literal things. You have to be focused. You have to get, you know, pretty specific, pretty tight, even though the the pages I work on are much larger, I guess, than standard comic book size. Um, Are you drawing anything digitally? No. no. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I see that, but yeah, that's... I figured I'd ask. I mean, because oh, sure. it's, it's like the thing, right. right? I mean, people draw digitally now. It It is. I, I don't understand it, but yeah. I mean... You're keeping it real still. I like I like tactile, man. I like I, the the paper I work on is eighteen by twenty four. Um, it's watercolor paper yeah. because yeah. I, I need that tooth because I want to fight the pen. I want to feel it. Um, and I got friends that can completely ape traditional work. I mean, it looks so pen and ink, but in the end, I'm like, but you can't hold it. You can't mm. you can't make mistakes, yeah. right? You have Command Z. You know, and <laughs> there's so much of my, my pages that are covered in white gouache and ink and fingerprints because it's almost fun when you do fail at a panel on an almost finished page because then it's time to experiment and save your iris and you're going to learn something when you're trying to save iris. Nice. You can't just hit undo. You know, like it takes away history in the work and it takes away evolution in, in your learning. It's just a better experience Absolutely. in the end. And I'm, I mean, I'm not, I, I, this is not just to, to, right. You're not trashing digital or anything. Like the tool that is the most comfortable for you is the best tool for you. Did you try digital, the digital drawing? No, the, the, the most I've tried is trying to draw something on an iPad. And you're like, it was, it was, how did that turn out? It was fun on the airplane. You know, (laughs) people would look at it, but I'm just like, no, no. I think with your work, I think it clearly comes out that each, whatever, you, each panel, I mean, you put that kind of effort and that kind of, you know, emotion into each panel that you end up doing. It's pretty fantastic stuff. I mean, that we'll talk about Empty Zone, the new stuff that just came out. I mean, it's like an art piece every page. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, so, I mean, I'm sure you get that, right? You got to be getting that response from people. Yeah, people people seem to be really taken aback by it. I'm 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 a little taken aback. It's it's my favorite work, and I didn't realize, and that feels naive, but I didn't realize what would change when it is your baby, you know? Because I'm like I'm putting everything I have in every project I do. I didn't realize that I had some stored up stuff that was just waiting if it was mine, uh, because I don't have to live up to a pre-existing character i don't need an editor to tell me you're you know this is off this is off because nothing's off it's mine whatever i put down is right and it makes you want everything that you put down to be amazing so yeah i I didn't 
I didn't realize I had what I had. You know, I'm really proud of the MD Zone stuff. You should be. It's amazing stuff. Which I guess brings me then, and I maybe I'm just time jumping that here, is, time warping. <laughs> no, that's actually interesting because you feel that MD Zone is your baby, whereas when you work on characters like Batman or Arrow or Superman, you there's already a set. They're set. Yeah. They're already known, and so do you? And I've read your comics up for Batman and the way that the the characters are portrayed is so there's so much emotion and I kind of understand why you don't do digital it's all very it all seems so personal each panel and I and I see that you kind of make your the characters your own whether it's Batman or it's Catwoman or whoever it is um and is it difficult to try to do these these so well-known characters in your style that it may not be what everyone's used to? Do you kind of get that? Do you kind of feel that way when you're told to do whatever panel or pages? Is that, is that kind of hard to deal with? Or you're just like, no, it's just my own thing and I'm going to put my own spin? I'm lucky enough that after doing this for as long as I have, an editor's not going to contact me unless they want my spin. And that part's really nice. But the, um, when I look at a character like that, there's the first, the first thing is a little intimidating. And then the next one is purely a challenge is in like, how do I kick everybody's ass who ever drew this character? I need to be the one that, that people associate. Like, I think there's very few characters that I don't think could really be touched anymore after an artist has done them. Um, well, who? Yeah, well, go to example. My first example would have to be, I think, I think McKeon pretty much nailed Joker with Arkham. Yeah. That, I, mean, <laughs> I yeah. love, yeah, I love that joke. That whole comic is brilliant. I, it is, it absolutely. Is. And even though, like, I enjoyed his Batman and his other characters, it felt like he did that book to do that character, and he owned it. He really owned it. Um, and there's, you know, there's just very few characters I think are like that. But so, if, if for example, with Joker, we can talk about you did um, Arkham City Endgame. Yes. And I loved Joker in that comic, and the fact, and well, first of all, did you did you play the video game? I did after I got the job. Okay. <laughs> I my PlayStation has been my Blu-ray player for the long time. Okay. And once they once they said it was directly with the video game, then I had to get the video game and then <laughs> then you realize you should be working. So. <laughs> really ruined that routine, huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah, convincing my wife like this is for work, I swear. <laughs> yeah. I swear. <laughs> Well, well, so real, real quick for the listeners who don't know. So there's the video game, right? right? There's and Arkham then, City, and then you were set to do or or tasked to do the comic book that follows up the video game. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And, and initially, uh, I didn't know the who, video the video games up to that point right okay who, who approached you i mean how how does that whole thing right how did the heck? uh i'm trying to think think who actually i mean it was it was one of the editors but like the dc digital 
is kind of a whole different beast of DC. At least it was. I think it's it's definitely become more melded in now. But it was it was a very different beast. And so when they contacted me, they're like, you know, it has nothing really to do with the comic book. It has everything to do with the video game. You have to stick with these designs, these designs. But did um, they tell you why you? Did they say we saw this, we saw that? Yeah, were they inspired by any of your previous? I want to say they referenced something, but I have no <laughs> you're idea. Like, you're like Batman. All I heard was Batman. And well, even before you worked on Gotham Central for a couple of issues. Yeah. And so do you think that maybe just your work on that, they wanted to bring you back for more Batman-related stories? No, I think they, they may very well have never called me again if they just had that to reference. <laughs> I, I, that was the one story. You did not like doing that story? I enjoyed it. It was the worst timing ever. It was literally a tight deadline at the moment where I was driving across country to move to L.A. Oh, wow. And I was so tight, and I was busting my eye on it. And it was a few pages I really liked, but it's one of the few projects that if I ever Google it, it's like <laughs> fans were not a fan of me. They were just... Really? Yeah, yeah, they do not like my work on that book. And I'm not hugely, you know... I've never been a fan of the of the guys that just crank it out, you know, just to get the paycheck to make the job. But mm. that one, I was very stressed and very behind, and I was like, oh, "If only I had this to do over again." Oh. Sounds I, like you didn't even really like that experience. I <laughs> no, mean, I enjoyed Catwoman in that in your stories. If I'm being honest, but I'm sorry that there was somewhat of a negative response, and you didn't enjoy it that much. No, That's and she nice. was great. I. And my, you know, Michael Lark is, is was the perfect artist on that book. Like he was, he's the the Law and Order <laughs> art comic yeah. book artist. And I didn't realize it was that. And I'm like, you know, when I got the call, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna get to draw this. And then I saw what it was. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna get to draw any of this. I'm gonna draw two cops. <laughs> so was that was that uh, was that your first DC work? Yes. <laughs> And that, and and you hadn't worked, and or you haven't worked for Marvel, have you? I did one issue of um, Marvel Zombies Return. Hmm. Was that before or after the DC stuff? After. Okay. So, I mean, your first call then to do DC is that? What's that like? It was it was absolutely incredible, and I was thrilled. And then I could understand why I didn't get any more calls for a while. <laughs> so. You know, and it was, again, it was just, it was just bad timing. I would never, never hack anything out. And then some of the editors saw the Abe Sapien stuff. And then that's what, what called them, called their attention to me for uh, Batman. Okay. So talk about the Arkham, the end game. I mean, what, what is, I I don't, I don't know the whole, so you maybe should explain to me. in, In a nutshell, isn't it just. It's right after the end of the game where Joker is dead and then it's kind of the aftermath in a way of how Batman deals with just Gotham and people that are kind of rebelling over Joker. And what I really liked about this, it's a short series, what, six issues? Series? No, 60 pages. 60 pages, okay. There's a, there's, I think they've continued it. Yeah. Joker Endgame, yeah. Yeah, but you did the first. Yeah, which is kind of neat, seeing that first issue and seeing the guy kind of redraw some of my panels, which is kind of fun. (laughs) And the way that you, you, your artwork, it's very, like I said, it's very heavy, dark lines, and it's it's kind of 
it has a lot of mood and emotion and dealing with Batman kind of in a way coping with the with Joker's death and then like you said you think McKean did Joker that's just the Joker so you had to approach this character in a way and how how was that in terms of the creative process because Joker himself is just just chaos and bright and crazy yeah. and so you could put a lot of how you you do your figures. You can put all of that emotion and the way that Batman looks under the cowl and his face and the the expressions and everything came out, I think, really well in those panels. So how was that that process, that creative process, and how you could kind of talk about Batman and Joker's relationship that they have, that kind of yin and yang and that good versus evil? Could you kind of bring your style to talk about that within this series oh i've I've been dying to do a story (laughs) like this and but my batman experience was like batman boot camp because i normally i'm not the fastest artist and and the editor was explained to me he's like look i understand but we're already behind so if you can't do this i get it you have basically 60 days to do 60 pages and I'm like, God, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't do that at all. And then he's like, I get it. He goes, but the story, you know, he's like, I don't know. He's like, it's about the death of the Joker. And I'm like, wait, what? So at that <laughs> point, I'm like, all right, we're going to have to man up because this is, this isn't doing two cops talking about Batman. This is Batman and the Joker and the death of the Joker. And so I, um, the, you know, it would have been, even more even more fun or I would love to have seen what I could have done if I hadn't been told that I needed to stick with the video game. If uh, you can go outside of it. Yeah, I think my Joker and Batman, I think, would have been very different beasts. I would have loved to have been able to just go full on how I would have loved to have done them without restraint. Um, but as it stands, I tried to do as much, I tried to push as far as I could in those restraints of sticking with the video game. And uh, because I'm, I'm with you, I love that the uh, the dynamic between those two characters. The Killing Joke is, is one of my absolute my favorite too. stories. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and uh, but, it, but it was it was fun because you when you're really pushed to not overthink something, you also kind of get to see what you're made of. And you know, and I still had to spend the first week of those sixty days uh, prepping. And shooting the model, I shoot models for everything I do. Okay. Um, I think, and, and, and when people comment on my expressions and, and that kind of a thing with my figures, it's a huge compliment because we all have a, an inner vocabulary that we have. And, you know, artists that don't use model reference, even occasionally their sad face is their sad face. Like whoever has that sad face, those eyebrows are going to look the same on every character. You, you tend to repeat yourself because you know how to do that thing. There's something with using models that the shadows are different. The expressions are specific to that person. So, you know, nobody's going to smirk the same way than that guy is going to smirk. And it keeps it exciting for me. Um, everything is new. Everything, you know, and, um, and it allows for the work to, to be more personal because 
these are, you know, a lot of times paid actors, but a lot of times friends. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I love, I love putting that human touch onto these characters because Batman can be this soulless shadow of a figure. Um, but I love the idea of, of putting a, a man inside there. Right. And that's, I think, a reason why a lot of fans like Batman because he is human and that's not the case for most of his allies that he's with the Justice League. And so that's why it's always nice, I think, to see when an artist puts so much character and humanity within Batman because he's probably the best representation of a human within the DC multiverse, I think. Oh, absolutely. And and it was fun to to try to push the Joker to, to keep that level of realism, but push that to however far people will believe it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a blast. <laughs> what Batman characters would you like to draw that you haven't before? If or if there is someone in particular that you're like, oh, he looks really cool and I think I would, I would do, crush it. Yeah. <laughs> you could make it your McKean Joker. <laughs> <laughs> even though even though I've got to even though I got to do a one shot, I would kill to do uh Two Face again. Nice. The um that cover you did for uh Legends, Legends of Dark Knight. Yeah. That's that's a brilliant cover. Thank it's you. really nice. Definitely. That was the most time I had to do on any of that stuff. They they were open with the deadline, but it was almost a Gotham Central situation. <laughs> it was a tight deadline, and I had to bust it out. But and I'm and I'm happy with it. But oh my god, if do I you, if I had another shot at Two Face, you would do a. I would. That would be so cool. I would. I would. I key in that Two Face. I would make it mine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do deadlines kind of kill the excitement for you sometimes? Because it sounds like you've had some stories where deadlines just, oh, I, I could have done so much more. And does that kind of ruin the experience for you a little? Or are you just like, no, this or is, is it just necessary? It, yeah. Or is it just this is this is just what it has to be? It has to be. Yeah. It's I've had the best experience when an editor comes to me and asks me how much time it would take to finish a book, uh, because then I can be a little more. Uh, uh, it can be a little bit more flexible, but that's where the, I've had a few contemporaries that like to make fun of me because they're like, Oh, you, you know, that's what you get for being an artist. And because that's it, I'm a horrible professional illustrator. I'm horrible. <laughs> I, the way I work is I pencil a page, I'll ink a previous page and then I'll pencil another page. And that's how I work because I need a full day for that to digest for it to come back the next day before I start finishing everything, I need to to let it disappear for a minute and then come back with fresh eyes and come at it. The idea of penciling and inking a single page a day is unfathomable to me. Like I, so much of the work in my paintings come from downtime. Um, when I work, I work fast. I I crank. It's expressive. I need to be in the moment, but there is a lot of time in between where I need to kind of see it and feel it and get comfortable. And then as soon as I do, then I just bolt and I just, I go crazy on the work. So I'm a horrible professional illustrator. <laughs> Is that where at some point you realize, you know what, I just need to do some fine art too, because obviously you are doing that and that's 
done very well for you. I mean, you're showing in galleries and you're, you know, it's beautiful work and it, and it's not on a deadline, I assume. No, it, it's, it's beautiful. I still have, I still have a very disciplined work ethic. Even when I'm, when I'm painting, I'm still up at six and at the, at the canvas at seven. Um, but you know, it's, the, the fine art thing came from an absolute influence of, of seeing when North, uh, I moved to North Carolina for a little while and, and uh, seeing Kent's work and, and George and, and Scott Hampton and those guys. And um, it was no time at all, given his, given his current situation and, and mine at the time, where our personal lives were in a little bit of upheaval. Um, Kent and I wound up sharing a studio for a couple of years. And he became basically my mentor. So I'm working on comic stuff, seeing him work on comic stuff and paint. And then I started painting and, and kind of, you know, that's, there's a good part of my career where my work looks a lot like Kent. And it was, you know, that was just a pure like mentor, mentor, mentee kind of state. But, um, it opened my eyes to, uh, not just doing these, literal storytelling kind of images doing something that is a little bigger than yourself and you know that doesn't have that can be more obscure um you're not portraying a person being sad looking down you're portraying a feeling an emotion like and you don't have to be so literal with it and there's something very freeing and something beautiful about that and and it's very strange that i can paint for a show and by the end of the time i'm finished I'm dying to do a comic again. And by the time I'm finished with a, a story, I'm dying to paint again. So I love having the dichotomy of having these two very different things in my life. Wow. Well, it's good for your fans <laughs> that you, you like that because, you know, I can tell you right now, at least with regard to the comics, um, I mean... I don't know what you're hearing the response has been, especially like Empty Zone, but, I mean, we can't even keep them here at Meltdown. I mean, it's sold out. <laughs> it, every issue's gone. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that what you're hearing? Is that what you're getting back, that people are really giving you a good response? They are, it, but it's a different kind of good response, and I love the kind of good response because it's me telling the story as well, writing it, and and I don't have that fast-paced comic book mentality um it i like a slow burn i like a build um i'm writing you know a five issue arc i'm not necessarily just writing episodically each thing so you know people get a little frustrated that i'm not answering everything in each issue and stuff like that but by the end of the fifth issue you know you get the whole story and all that but the responses have been great in that they're also uh They've, there's been reviews where like we don't we don't know what this is we we haven't seen a book like this in a very long time and you know people kind of liken it to the the, uh, the old Vertigo books you know which is amazing because yeah, that's a quite yeah. a compliment <laughs> yeah anytime I'm gonna get reference to Hellblazer you know the original I'm I'm a happy guy yeah so but yeah the 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 response has been fantastic and it's a little humbling I think another really special thing about Empty Zone is. Uh, I don't know who knows if, you know, but I know some people know, but you did a Kickstarter campaign to get that thing going. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, what was that like? What was doing a book through Kickstarter like? It's horrible. Is it? Really? <laughs> I don't ever want to do that ever again. Um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 
even though people tell you that, you're like, it doesn't make sense. If you have good time management, you're talking two hours a day. That's all you need to know. Two hours a day becomes six hours a day and it becomes a full time job for the entire time it's up. And, you know, it's you're calling in every professional favor you have. You know, can you please help promote and just, you know, it, it just it, it was my first time doing a creator own book in, in decades. And I'd gotten the idea of how you get paid doing a book through image and things on the back end and all that. So. You know, I have a wife and kid. I was like, there's, I need to be, to pay rent. And so I was like, all right, let's, let's do a Kickstarter. And so we did, you know, we did that and yeah, it ended, thank God, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> and it funded, right? It did. It and did. I mean, you had a $5,000 pledge or, yeah, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kickstarter and I will definitely support projects that I see. And uh, to see a five thousand dollar pledge, that's pretty nice. That was great. The um, and I, I was hoping, you know, going in that, you know, there's the pledges for comic book fans and comic collectors and comic art collectors. But then I was kind of hoping to pull in some collectors that wanted a deal on some of the fine art. So there was a few pieces I offered that, even though they were still comic related, were, were approached very painterly. And um, so a couple of those collectors kind of took it as a deal because the gallery work is a little more pricey than the comic book stuff. Yeah. Cool. It's cool. For those who don't know, can you give us maybe a sentence or two about Empty Zone and kind of just how you've been doing that arc so far? Uh, Self-promotion. Self-promotion. <laughs> we know you love it. Empty <laughs> uh, Zone is a, uh, is a cyberpunk horror story. Um, if, if, if it's easier to think Blade Runner and Hellboy... I, I, it's everything I, I want to draw that just gives me a kick. Like, um, everything, you know, I, I think this story kind of establishes itself as a good cyberpunk dark kind of story, but mm -hmm. it, it changes pretty quickly, uh, to this kind of surreal horror kind of element. And, um, and that's really what I love doing. I love doing, you know, dark emotive suspense. And, and so, it is it is a very much a horror uh, series, but done in the not too distant future. So, you know, everything is fun to draw. <laughs> and what are your plans for it? I mean, you got the five issue arc you're talking about. I mean, is this ongoing as long as it'll go or ongoing? Yeah. Uh, issue five is the final one for the first arc. Then we kind of stick with the uh, saga schedule and take a oh. couple of months and then um jump back on the second arc and um i think i have uh four four the first four arcs planned out nice and everyone seems to be excited it it's at image mm -hmm. and everyone there is supportive yeah they've been great yeah this is my first experience with them so it has been yeah it's been an absolute blast so what brought you out to la i just wanted to be out here yeah <laughs> the um I knew I always wanted to be out in California, but uh, Kent and I, when we were sharing a studio, we uh, we directed a, uh, a Converse commercial, and then we wrote and directed a short film. And so that was kind of that thing of like, let's go out to L.A. and do it for real. We came out to L.A. and just started doing more gallery work and 
Never did another. <laughs> never did another film project. <laughs> but now I'm thrilled with it because I have so many filmmaker friends that, you know, God bless you if you're here to to do film or TV because if you're if you're writer director, you know the the amount of people you have to impress. And then get things to, you know, you come up with an idea and hopefully in 10 years you can make that movie. And I did another little horror short while I was here. And as soon as it was done, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I like comics. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And how have you found the comics scene community out here in Los Angeles? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, even down to, you know, I, I get together every Sunday with a few other comic book guys uh, at this little bar on Vine, and we have kind of a little private drink and draw and nice. shoot the dish and all that kind of stuff. It, That's awesome. It, it's me and Jim Mafood and Mike Huddleston and those guys. All right. <laughs> I bet you that's a fun. I uh, know. You should put a zine together of that <laughs> thing, the sketch. We'd sell it here at Meltdown. We keep threatening to periscope it. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody, like, it's a proper drink and draw, so nobody wants to be periscoped when you're doing this thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So how did you, how'd you meet all those guys? Is that just? Over time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I met Jim first, and then through him I met, you know, Dave Croslin and uh, Mike Huddleston and yeah, we're all just, and it's great because we all draw differently. So we're not ever really in competition with each other. And we can just sit back and enjoy and talk about what we're doing and keep each other, keep everybody motivated. Yeah. Is there a particular creator that you haven't worked with that you would, if you had the chance in the future? Over any company or anything? <laughs> um. Yeah, my my end all be all would would still be to do um to work with Alan Moore. Nice. I, I've, <laughs> I've gotten to work with really good writers. You know, uh, Mike Mignola was so fun when we were doing Abe Sapien and Brian Vaughn uh, when we when we did uh, uh, the Escapist together. Nice. It was great. But yeah, I think it's just because yeah, I just love reading the guy. I've never met him. I've never you know, and I just. In those scripts, and I guess I keep thinking back over and over and over again about Killing Joke, and I'm like, (laughs) to work with that guy. That would be insane. What about a character that could span any genre or any uh, company? I don't know why. If if I can have Squirrel Girl, I know. If I have just like (laughs) a short ego, I don't know why I've never been asked to draw Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. Come on. (laughs) I I think that fits perfectly with your art style. It's driving me crazy. I've asked so many times. Really? When I did uh, the Marvel Zombies issue, it was fun. It felt like I kind of got everybody in. This one issue had Wolverine, Spider Man. All these other guys were cool. Done, 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 done. But and I kept asking, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider. He goes, Oh yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, let's see. And then, no. <laughs> do you ever go to any conventions and sell your art at comic conventions? Because I mean, your comic art. Because obviously we know you're in the galleries. But mm-hmm. do you ever go to the conventions and sell art there? I've loved doing San Diego. I've done that almost exclusively for the last ten years. And now that I'm doing my own book, I'm trying to branch out for promotion. So this is the first year I've done, in, in decades, I've done uh, Heroes, and I'm going to do New York uh, for the first time this year. 
Um, and next year, I think there's a, a list of conventions that I'm supposed to be at. So Nice. Cool. Uh, you could do an original ghostwriter piece. <laughs> That's true. I need to actually just do, a, I need to just do a print and say, here. Yeah, I'm insane, man. I mean, come on. This is what people want. I'll do that as my banner that sticks up behind me. Yeah. Then they will have to have you. They'll be like, oh, man, you see that guy in the aisle? He goes by three names. <laughs> the better to sue you with. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, if they spell one of them wrong, they can't collect the judgment. Done. There you, go. you know they're going to spell it seen. So yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Do you have any future comic book plans? Or are you just focusing on Empty Zone? Uh, right now, it's just Empty Zone. I think mm -hmm. if, if something amazing always came around, then, you know, I would love to consider it. But, uh, yeah, so far, it's just been, you know, of course, I would still love to redo another Two-Face, but still. <laughs> another print. If you're invited to come Damn. back to Batman, we would love to have you. Oh, man. <laughs> That's just what an amazing superhero world to have to have created. You know, just you know everything dark and and it's just nightmares. The whole yes. world is nightmares. It's <laughs> Nick Scarecrow that runs around spraying you with fear. <laughs> like, are you kidding? <laughs> it's and and at least when when I did get to draw Two Face for that one story, uh, I did get a few panels where it felt like I got to kind of like live up to it because. And that was, it was very much like I wanted half of his face to look like a Francis Bacon painting. You know, I, I was like, of course, everybody draws scars and realistic stuff. And I get that. And that's my go-to. But how about if we just completely blur and, and make that other side of his face just look furious each time? And so I did get to play with it. But I think that's what's more frustrating is that I only got to play with it. Right. And then it you was didn't just, have to go. You couldn't go full on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Deadlines, man. You gotta be a professional. <laughs> so, what about Batman stories? You got a favorite Batman story besides Killing Joke, or is that just dominance? I mean, it might be Arkham. Okay, because that was just yeah. that was such a beautifully realized Batman world. Uh, my favorite Batman stuff, though. Uh, beyond the graphic novels are the, the black and whites. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, and those it, are beautiful. And again, you know, I just want to knock on Chiarello's door. I'm like, seriously? I just, uh, a, a black, black and, and white, white story from you would be so sick. <laughs> That's one you just yeah. got to do. You got yeah. Just do just it. Just do it. <laughs> Force them. And, I make, mean, it, and make it two-faced. And make it two yeah. Same. I love that. I, <laughs> all right. I'm down. I'll just I'll just do one on hey, spec and just turn it in. Like, Here's your story. You come here, we're gonna promote it <laughs> every time. History of the Batman. Have a sign in Meltdown. <laughs> oh yeah, they, yes. He's had signing here at Meltdown already, so we'll have another come one back. for your uh, for your all your private stuff. I like that. Is yeah. there a Batman story you would want me to do? Hmm. Trying to think. I really like the Two Face idea because I think just by itself, Two Face just showing all that emotion, and Scarecrow's always fun, and yeah, I think Joker. If you could redo Joker and do more than you wanted to outside of Arkham City, like redo it oh. and 
I would like to see that. I think that would be really good. Do you like Robin? I have to ask because you're such the Batman. I do. Well, I do. My favorite Robin is Dick Grayson, but I like Dick Grayson as a whole. I like Nightwing, all that. Nice. And so sounds like I, a guy who doesn't like Robin asking that question. It's I don't I don't know near I, I know next to nothing really in depth about Batman and so I just see Robin you know and always in a different form and the mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns and everything else so I mean, right yeah Robin's like, history by itself is fun but I always liked the first one Dick Grayson's my favorite yeah. Basically, London loves pretty much everything <laughs> Batman, and she can find the good in everything Batman. So you it, sound like somebody that doesn't like Robin. Uh, yeah, no, no. Here, <laughs> no. Here's the thing. I have. My, I mean, when I first we, we had a Robin episode where we talked about the history of Robin, and I always thought this is kind of corny. And then with the just the you know the the issues surrounding him, whether he was, you know, the pedophilia and this stuff, it was, but I started to understand what was the good thing about it is here's a, here's a kid who's lost everything and Batman takes him in and, you know, he's a ward. He's not anything other than someone that Batman is protecting just on a more intimate level in that he's providing him with shelter and, you know, training and everything else, how to help him survive. And so when I see that and then he grows into his own man to become Nightwing and whatnot. And then, you know, I, I actually start am a little bit more interested in Robin because nice. I always I'm interested in Robin. Yeah, it, it was a character that I, I kind of was a little off put by. And then I started yeah. to realize, you know what, it's not as bad. Now, I was I did say that uh, Batman should maybe be put in jail for putting him in danger, you know, sure. so much. I mean, you know, not the homosexual right. pedophilia thing. It's the child endangerment thing that he's doing. But so I actually can respect Robin now. And so what I have really learned is that there is pretty much good in most of the Batman characters. Nice. I, I, I'm I'm still interested in Killer Croc. I can't figure out whether I like that character or not. So we might have to do a character do spotlight yeah. on that. But I actually like Mr. Freeze after our last episode because I thought this is has to be the corniest guy ever. That would be a character I'd like to see. Oh yeah, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Yes. Oh yeah, you'd put a cool spin on that. I yeah because I I think a lot of people don't take him seriously at times. But I think if. I think you you You'd, would you would yeah. you would sway people and you get them to. Like, he needs a bit of a redesign. Yeah, that. And and the thing with Mister Freeze, which I learned from one of our episodes, is that DC doesn't always uh, put push him out there. They sometimes try to restrict the use of him because certain editors find him to be a corny character. Right. And it's just when someone does him right, then they let him go, and so it. It seems like there's a push and pull with his character, whereas like someone like Joker was great from the moment he was introduced yeah. and is great to now. Yeah. Right. Mr. Freeze is that beautifully tragic character, too. Like his history. Right. right? Like yeah. With his wife. or Was that not? No, no, yeah? you're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's terminally ill and he's trying to find a cure. Yeah. Yes. So do yeah, that has a lot more potential than what they've done with him. Right. Yeah. Right. So yes. maybe that is your calling, Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I'm going to do a Mr. Freeze and Croc. Put those together. There you nice. go. Just, just for you on that one. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Anything else we got, London? I think we're about towards the end. 
I think so, but I just wanted to say that I really like your art style because you bring the emotions that I think all of superhero characters, comic book characters, everyone has something behind just what they are on the outside. And I think you really bring that forth in your comic book art and your fine art. So I thank you for being a great artist. Thank you. Now you've made me really want to do Mr. Freeze. There you go. So listen, Jason, where can people check you out? How How's the best way to get in contact with you or search for you, whatever? And don't, it's S-H-A-W-N. But you can give your... Yeah, um, yeah the, the website, which is just my name, jasonshawnalexander.com. Okay. Do you tweet? Do you Facebook any of that yeah. stuff? There's links to all of that stuff in there. <laughs> but but if you don't want to go to websites and you just want to jump on Instagram and Twitter, it's uh, Jason Sean Alex. Okay. Okay. I had to find some way awesome. to shorten it. I know, right? <laughs> they do limit you on that. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for being a guest yes, on the history of the Batman. You. Thank you. It's a it's a real pleasure to have you. Wish you all the success that you deserve. We will continue to follow your work and bring you back on the show, hopefully. With a two-face or Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. So thank you once again. And we'd like to just tell the audience about Kamikaze, which is a convention coming up in L.A. that, Jason, you need to go to. And we're going to work on trying to get you there. But it's down at the convention center, Stanley's Kamikaze. It's I know I was invited. I'm going to be in Boston. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, next year, 2016, man. Done. All right. So see us there at Kamikaze. It's at the convention center. It's October 30th to November 1st. And if you actually go on the website and use the promo code MELT, M-E-L-T, you will get a discount. Thanks for tuning in to the History of the Batman with London. This is Adam signing off. And London, anything to say? Just peace, love, and Batman. All right, see you next week. <laughs>